Welcome back to That Was a Close One. I'm your host, Manisha, and this is a podcast where I tell my husband, aka co-host, Justin, true crime survival stories. What's going on, guys? Hope you enjoy this one. This story has some trigger warnings, child molestation, rape, and kidnapping. All right, let's get into the story. So, J.C. Lee Duggard. J.C. is an 11-year-old girl from South Lake Taco. Taco. <laughs> South Lake Taco, huh? <laughs> South Lake Tahoe. I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> Ta- Tahoe, California. On June 10th, 1991, she was walking outside her home to her bus stop. When she got halfway up the hill to her stop, a gray car approaches her. JC thought that they were going to ask her for directions. The driver, named Phil, rolled his window down and tased JC with a stun gun. She falls to the ground, not able to move. Philip's wife, Nancy, picks her up and puts her in the car, and they drive away. JC's stepdad was outside in the garage and he witnessed the whole abduction. He quickly gets on his bike and chases them, but unfortunately the car was too fast for him to catch up. He dials 911 immediately and when the uh, police got there, her stepfather was the first one they suspected. So they made him take several polygraph tests, um, but then they cleared him, which I understand. Um, he was not the only person who witnessed this abduction. Her other classmates were waiting at the bus stop, and they saw that too. This begun a search for her. They had canines, aircrafts, and even over a hundred law enforcements. Now Nancy and Philip take all her clothes off except for the butterfly ring she had on that she hid from them. Nancy takes a blanket and throws it over her head and holds her down for the three-hour drive. Once they arrived at their home in unincorporated Isle of Antioch, Philip and Nancy take JC out of the car with her head still covered with the blanket. They take him behind their house where they had a small shed. They place her into the small shed, which was also soundproofed, and they handcuff her and left her naked in the shed, which was also bolted shut. He warned her by telling her that he had trained Doberman pinchers outside and that they would attack her if she tried to escape. Right after the abduction, he would force JC to shower with him, which that was the first time she had ever seen a naked man. For the first week in captivity, J.C. was remained in the handcuffs. Her only human contact was Philip, and he would sometimes bring her fast food, and he would also just talk to her. He gave her a bucket for her to use as a toilet, and a week after the kidnapping, she was raped for the first time by Philip and was still in the handcuffs. He continued to rape her frequently. He would continue on doing so at least once a week for the first three years of her captivity. 
He also got her a TV, but she wasn't allowed to watch the news because it would she would have to remain unaware of the publicized search for her. Almost a month and a half after her kidnapping, he moved her into a larger room next door where she was handcuffed to a bed. He explained that the demon angels let him take her and that she would help him with his sexual problems. Yeah, his wife couldn't help him with that. Well, his wife is in it. So. That's so wrong. So messed up. He would occasionally go on meth binges that he would call runs, and he would force JC to keep him company by performing sexual favors and engaging in various other activities with him. And he made her listen out for the voices he said that he could hear from the walls and often professed a belief that he was a chosen servant of God. The binges would end with him sobbing and then apologizing to her, and then he would also just threat her, threat her to sell. She's going to sell to other people who would put her in a cage. Seven months into her captivity, he introduced JC to his wife, Nancy. That was the one who brought her into the shed. So Nancy would bring her stuffed animals and chocolate milk, and she would apologize just like Phil would do. Though JC craved the woman's approval at the time, Nancy was just as manipulated up as Philip. She would alternate between being a motherly concern to coldless and, cr and cruel. And she would also express her jealousy of JC. She would all she would always blame her for her predicament. They would manipulate JC by giving her kittens that would soon later mysteriously disappear. When Philip discovered that she was um, signing her real name into her journal that she had about the kittens, she was forced to tear out the pages with her name on it. And one day when, they're, uh, when she was outside, their neighbor Patrick seen JC, uh, once and he asked what her name was and she said her real name and he asked if she lived there and she was or she was just visiting she answered she lived there and at that point philip came out and took her back indoors he made her change her name to Alyssa. he eventually built a eight foot tall fence around the backyard and set up the tent for jc and that was the first time that she was allowed to walk outside since her kidnapping Three years into her captivity, they began to allow JC to have freedom from her handcuffs for periods of time, but they kept her locked in the bolted room. And the first time they gave her a home-cooked meal was on Easter Sunday of 1994. They tell JC that they believed that she was pregnant. JC was only 13 at the time and had learned of the link between sex and pregnancy from the television. So JC began to watch television shows on childbirth in preparation for her birth. That's like really sad. And on August 18, 1994, she gave birth to a baby girl. Soon after the birth of her daughter, Philip would rape her less frequently, though he would do it more when he would take his drugs. And the last time he would ever rape her again 
was the day her second daughter was conceived. Her second daughter was born when she was 17 on November 13, 1997. It's just crazy to think of how long this has been going on, too. Mm-hmm. The fact that she had her first daughter at 13 and then their second at 17 just shows you how long they've been in that situation. Right, and everyone's still looking for her, and her mom still uh, is looking for her and doesn't believe, you know, she's dead, even though it's been a while. JC took good care of her daughters using information learned from TV. She, she would also homeschool them and work to protect them from Philip. At one point, Philip tells JC that his wife doesn't like that the girls are attached to JC and that her daughters were to address Nancy as their mother and that she was to teach her daughters that she was their older sister. Philip operated a print shop where JC worked there as the graphic artist. A customer of Philip's printing business claimed that he met and spoke with JC and that she did excellent work. During this time, JC had access to the business phone and email account. Another customer indicated that she never hinted to him about her childhood abduction or her true identity. Witnesses state that she was seen in the household of Philip and Nancy and would sometimes answer the front door to talk to people, but never stated that there was a problem or attempted to leave. While the family kept to themselves, the girls were sometimes seen playing in the backyard behind the house. During this time, law enforcement officers visited the resident at least twice a week because of his parole of previous charges, but they did not ask to inspect the backyard and they did not detect the presence of JC or her children at the property that they did inspect. In 2006, one of the neighbors called 911 to inform them that there were tents in the backyard with children living there, and that Philip was psychotic with sexual addictions. A deputy sheriff spoke with Philip at the front of the house for about 30 minutes and left. After telling him that there would be a code violation if people were living outside on the property, so he never went and investigated. And on August of 24th of 2009, Philip traveled to the University of California with JC's two daughters and visited its campus police office, seeking permission to hold a special event as a part of his God's Desire program. He spoke with a special events manager, Lisa Campbell. She felt that the girls were sullen and submissive. She asked Philip to make an appointment for the next day, which he did. He gave them his name in the process, so a officer ran a background check and discovered that Philip was a registered sex offender on federal parole for kidnapping and rape. Philip and the girls returned to their appointment at 2 p.m. the following day. The girls appeared to be pale, as if they had not been exposed to sunlight and the officer felt that the behavior was unusual. Philip had several parole violations where were a bias for an arrest. So 
The officer Jacobs phoned the parole office to tell them about her concerns, leaving a report on the voicemail. After receiving the voicemail, two parole agents drove to Philip's house later that day, and once they arrived, they handcuffed Philip and searched the house, finding only his wife Nancy and his mother. The parole agents then drove him to the parole office. Philip tells the agents that the girls that he had with them at the university were the daughters of his relative and that he had permission from their parents to take them there. Philip was not allowed to be near any minors due to his previous charges and he was also not allowed to travel 25 miles without a parole officer. Nothing was done about these violations. After reviewing his file with a supervisor, they drove him back home and ordered him to report to the office again the next day to discuss his visit to the university to follow up on the office concerns about the two girls. August 26th, Philip and Nancy go to the parole office in California with the two girls and they also bring JC this time. The parole office decides to separate Philip from JC and the girls to obtain their identification. JC, as Alyssa, tells the investigators that the girls were her daughters, although they indicated that she was aware that Philip was a convicted sex offender. She stated that he was a changed man, a great person, and was good with her kids. When they asked for details that would confirm her identity, JC became extremely defensive and agitated, demanding to know why she was being interrogated. And she stated that she was a battered wife from Minnesota in hiding from her abusive husband. The parole officer eventually called the police. Upon the arrival of the police sergeant, Philip admitted he had kidnapped and raped JC. And soon after this, she tells them that her name is J.C. Doggard, and they say that um, J.C. showed signs of Stockholm Syndrome. That's why she was, you know, being defensive towards him. Apparently she got brainwashed to try to defend him and not try to get in trouble with him. Well, yeah, and she started developing feelings for him. That's oh. the definition of Stockholm Get feelings for your kidnap kidnapper. Mm-hmm. Yes. Honestly, just the fact of him having a couple of minors with him, whatever, he's not even supposed to be anywhere near him, and then also not being allowed to be traveling like 25 miles without a pro officer, you'd think they would automatically hit him with something, but then all these charges always get dropped and that causes either people to die or just to never be seen again because they never take immediate action whenever they have a suspicion yeah and she was like free for a little bit when she was working for his business and she never told anyone and she could have sent out some emails and stuff or called someone while she was in you know she was free and he was in around like try to secretly get the word out saying hey i'm still alive and come get me yeah, but it's been years, so she's already in that headspace, you know, where she's like, oh, this man's a good man. So, so 
That is why she was being so defensive when she was asked who Philip was. Philip and his wife were placed under arrest and JC was allowed to call her mother. Her mother never gave up on finding JC. She didn't know if she would ever see her again. But now she has her daughter back and now she has two granddaughters. JC had custody of her children and is reunited with her mother on August 26 of 2009, 18 years after her abduction. Philip was sentenced to 431 years to life in prison, and then Nancy was sentenced to 36 years to life. These sentences would allow both to be eligible for parole in August of 2034. That's so dumb. And why even sentence someone for over 400 years and then also have two alive sentence like this already a life sentence being a hundred years and then if you're going to give them that much time in the prison why even give them parole i know like why do they need to have parole this is so stupid like if you're going to give them that much of a sentence they don't even need parole if you think they deserve that big of a sentence but you're like oh well if he's good in so many years he'll get parole or maybe you'll be able to get parole i'm like he was already on parole when you saw what happened. So, obviously, he doesn't need another one. Yeah. It just makes me mad. Like, I, they should not have parole. Like, I mean, he kidnapped a girl and raped her several times and got her pregnant twice for 18 years. And yet, they're not. They're going to say, oh, he, he can come back out and get on parole and then possibly do it again. That's like 18 years of that girl's life gone. Yeah. Stuck in a shed abused by these guy by this guy and his wife and forced to have two children not you know that's a long time you have anything else to say i just think that our justice system needs to be freaking heavily worked on with people like this like people like this should not be let out of prison at all like they're lucky to even still be alive honestly with the crap he's done to her from her being really young to all the way up to, I don't know, how old she was she when she got found? So she was 11 when she was abducted, 18 years later, so 29. Sheesh. Oh, man. I mean, heck, we're, we're getting closer to our mid-20s, and yet we have, I mean, just imagine us in our age now being captive by someone and not even being able to get free for another several years yeah it's just like all the stuff she could have done when she was younger and not having to worry about kids and stuff and better in her life and whatever she wanted to do is just gone yeah and then now the the dude that did all this to her is gonna have the possibility and i don't know how many years but within the next decade or so to be possible on parole I'm like just don't let him out I mean especially since he's already a sex offender already registered and he was already on parole for other stuff and you want to let him out on or give him the possibility to get out on parole again Mm -hmm. like you see what he did whenever he was already on parole once what are you going to think he's going to do with this twice I don't understand why the cops never investigated him 
if he was already a registered sex offender and he already kidnapped someone before, why did they never look into him before? Especially since someone said that there was tents in the backyard that might have had kids in it. You would think, oh, dude has a registered sex offender and he's not allowed to be around any kids and he has this past. We need to get a warrant and investigate everything. But they're just like, oh, no, we'll just brush it off. Right. This is how people die because they don't take immediate action on stuff. Like when they have proof or evidence of the person doing the same type of stuff in the past. Right. And then towards the end, he was just being lazy and with his crime. And he took her daughters into the university. And, like, did he not know he was going to get caught from that? Like, he's not supposed to be around children at all. Like, like he was obviously just blatantly being around children. And even the police officer at the campus saw it and they called it in and they didn't even look into his case or his profile and see what was going on and be like oh well he's not even supposed to be around kids so let's go get him mm -hmm. they just brushed it off and be like uh whatever yeah but the good thing's that he did not kill her but I don't know if you know it's still 18 years of her life that's dead but She's reunited, so that's good. Her mom never gave up. And now she's got to tell her children and be like, all right, I'm your real mother, but your dad is, he's not even considered your dad. Just, you're just mine. When, honestly, I wouldn't, until they're old enough, I wouldn't even say anything. Just be like, then you don't need to worry about your father. Yeah, she said that. Um, I was reading somewhere, and she said that she, she'll let them know about her father, but She's not going to stop them from not visiting him or anything if they want to, but... If it was me, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let him. Yeah. I understand it's your father, but your father kidnapped... It'd be like, your father kidnapped me and kept me in his freaking shed. Handcuffed. Raped me several times. Make me do a bunch of stuff whenever I was a minor. And then get me pregnant twice. With, you know... It was forced, so I wouldn't. If I was her, I wouldn't let him see him at all. He doesn't deserve to see him. All right. Well, that was a close one. The sources for this story are Crime Figure, Inside Edition, History by Day, 18 Years, The Tragic Story of J.C. Dugard. Follow our Instagram at that dot was a close one and our TikTok at that was a close one, Pope, and we will give you a shout out and comment any suggestions you have. And if you guys have any personal near-death experiences and would like us to tell you about them, email us at thatwasacloseone348 at gmail.com and we'll share it here on the podcast. We would like to also give credit to the music used in the podcast for the intro and outro songs. It is... Stream Beats by Harris Heller, and the background music is from Ghost Stories Incorporated, both of which can be found on Spotify. All right, so that was a close one. See you next time. Goodbye.